Shalom Aleichem. Um, my name is David Kohn. Um, my pleasure to be here, um, here in the Kohn. Um, and to me, it's, it's a special uh, pleasure that we're here in the Kohn together, sharing the same podium with the COR, a uh, well-known Hashkacher. Uh, and I'm here, I'm happy to be able to share a little bit about Bishel and Pasisrol. My goal here is to, for many, I understand that many of the people have been learning through Yachikala, the halachas of Bishel and Pasisrol. I'm going to try to give some practical application to some of those halachas that you've been learning. And to sensitize you to some of the shilas that go on um, for hashkafas that produce foods that you eat and you'll go back home and see in your pantry to understand some of the shilas that there are. We'll talk a little bit about food service. Um, as we move, Emir Hashem, as we move along, we'll talk about that. But it will, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shy away from the direct halacha shilas. And I mean, we'll talk about them. We can't talk about this so without mentioning certain halachas and going through shilas. But my focus is not meant to be uh, as in a shear or, you know, discuss a shayla, but we're going to go through many different questions that there are. And I, I want to just open with a caution, which is um, some of the examples I'm going to get, I'm going to give, go through the era of 15 to 20 different things. And some people's reaction to hearing that will be is, oh my gosh, I'm not going to eat this, and I'm not going to eat this, and I'm not going to eat this. And uh, just to put it in perspective, the din is, one of the din of Bishlachim is that a suffolk of Bishlachim is mutter. Bishlachim is a din to Rabbanim. You know, so I'm, I'm not here to frighten you and tell you to go home and stop eating. Um, my, my goal is to educate you, and you should then, having learned through the halachas, or be inspired to then learn through the halachas, and go to a rabbi and ask Yishayla what is or what is not appropriate. And overall, to give you a better appreciation for what goes into giving a proper hashkacha, and why hashkacha is not just um, administering um, ingredients, but that has to be tied together with um, a good understanding of the dinim. And uh, as Rabbi Levin mentioned, the Yerushalayim to do the right thing um, and to know what's right or wrong. I'm going to break my talk up into five parts. And the first is that foods that are not cooked. Now, you say to me, if a food is not cooked, then obviously you can't need fish and salt. I bought the food and it was raw. And of course, it can't be bishalakim if the food is raw. So, I'll mention a few halachas and then we'll get to some examples of what, what would appear to be a raw food, which is not necessarily so. The thing is, I guess, if a, if a guy cooks a food, until it's kamadko benjusoy, until it's passively edible, you could get it down, that food becomes bishalakim. However, the Ramah says, that if a yid finishes off the cooking of that food, if a yid contributes to the cooking of that food after it was already ushered as bishalakim, the yid could save it. He could take it back from being bishalakim and turn it back into being bishalakim. There are cases where even the machaber agrees to that, but for sure for Ashkenazim, Ramar says that after a guy made a bishalakim, if I could come over later and make the food back to being bishalakim. Also, bishalakim only applies if the guy cooked the food through a traditional heating process. If the goy made the food edible not through cooking, he did it through brining, through what we call kalosh, he did it through smoking, those things are hagam that those things make the food edible. The goy is the one who made I used to not be able to eat it and now I can. 
that's not the, that's not in the dinam of Bishlakim, and that's what is mutter. And I'm, I'm gonna one of the things that I'm not I will mention the piece a number of times is that there's a shaila in, in the achronim whether food that what when we say that food cooked by ishun by smoking is mutter, the traditional way to do that is with a smoke that's cold. It's at room temperature, but the the exposure to the smoke makes the food edible. What happens if the smoke is not cold, but the smoke is hot, which is a more modern way of doing of smoking foods. And the really modern way of doing it is that it's cooked with steam. Instead of cooking the food with a smoke or with an electric heat in the room, they put, as Rabbi Levin mentioned sort of in passing, they'll hang in a room like this, they'll hang hundreds of tuna will be hanging here in the room, and they'll just pump steam, in, steam into the room. So the, the, the fish are being cooked, not by like a, a fire in your house, they're being cooked by steam just pumping into the room. So is that, con- is that included in the heter of issue, or is it not included in the heter? Okay, and we will see that question is going to come up a number of times. That's quite a Many, many Akhwan have spoken about it. And we're going, to, we're going to see that come up a number of times. The one, so I'm, I'm talking about now foods that give the appearance of being not cooked. And the first one I want to mention is rice. You go home, you, you take the open up a bag or a box of rice, and you got to cook it on the, on the fire. So the, to all appearances, that food is not cooked. And of course, you say, what is it? How can it need this in the salt? In fact, there are three types of rice. Um, and I'm going I'm to use terms that are not so co- perfectly correct, but they're reasonably correct, which is, there is rice that's completely raw. There's rice that's called parboiled, which, as its name implies, that it's partially cooked. And then there's rice that's labeled, typically labeled as instant rice. And the difference is that the parboiled rice is partially cooked, and you finish with the cooking at home. So even though the guy cooked it in the factory, as we said, Ramos says, if the guy cooked it, he made it bishalakam, it's coming into your house bishalakam, when you take it in your house and you cook it, you make it into bishal yisrael. And Ramos says, after it was made bishalakam, you can make it into bishal yisrael. It's used often, I can't say it is, but it's often kamashal ben jusoy. I'm saying even, were it to be kamashal ben jusoy, that's when you bring it into your house, if you're an Ashkenazi, you can make it edible when you finish the cooking in your house. However, the rice that's called, typically called instant rice, that rice is 100% cooked in the factory. When you bring it to your house, you, oh, if you look at the package, it says, you put it, cook it for five minutes. Okay, that five minutes of cooking is not to cook the food. That five minutes is to make it a little moist and to make it warm, because people don't like eating cold rice. But the essence it's fully cooked. How do I know? Because we took not only have people tested it in the factory, but people have, I have myself taken it, take the rice, and dunk it into warm water, and let it sit there for 15 minutes. Put it into water that's in a, you know, cliche that you can't cook in it, and it's, it sits there for 15 minutes, and it's perfect. Okay? It's, and we'll see in other examples like that, the food is fully edible. So what you're doing is just warming it up. What you're doing is just adding moisture to it, but it's fully edible. It was in the factory, and it is as you have it today. It just needs some warmth just and some moisture to make it edible. So that food was made by the going factory. It, it potentially was made by going to the factory, it, and it's fully cooked, and it's too late for you to help it. It's not, you're not able anymore to add to the cooking to make it bitter yourself. It's not like the parboiled rice. That's one example. We'll come back to this in a second. Another example. Excuse me? Okay, we'll think about that question. It's, it, it's not far-fetched again. We'll think about that separately. Baruch Hashem, the first person spoke about Shabbos and Bishlachim, and I'm just Bishlachim. <laughs> <laughs> so the, 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 
Another food that's like this is a food you may, uh, you may be familiar with. It's called couscous. Okay? It's, it's a Sephardi, Israeli type food, but plenty of people eat it also. And there's two ways to make couscous. There's, so to speak, the real way, and then there's the imitation way. Okay? The real way to make couscous is you take a grain of semolina wheat. Okay? It's, a special, it's the kind of wheat that you use for making pasta. You take a whole grain and you file it down until it gets the nice little round shape or the little piece, whatever shape you like, but you file down a whole grain of wheat, a whole wheat kernel, and after you've, filed, after you've created the shape that you like, then the factory cooks it. And it leaves the factory 100% cooked and 100% edible. And not only have I tested it, like I mentioned before, that you could put it into warm water, but I, uh, I do, do this when we have leftover. I take this, I'll take this to work, put it into warm water, and 15 minutes later I'll have a hot lunch. Because it's 100% edible, it doesn't need to be cooked on a fire. It says there are directions to how to cook it. But the food is coming to your house 100% edible. And I, although you might make it better, that's a then that although the Ramah says that if a yeast finishes the cooking, it's good, once the cooking is completely finished, you know, cooking later is not going to help you. So these foods are fully cooked. Now, that I mentioned that's the real way, the, the traditional way to make couscous. There are, something, there are things that are called couscous which are not that at all, and they're really pasta, which is really, they're just pasta in the shape of these tiny little balls or something like that. They're made it this way, and those are raw. Okay, but the couscous that's made the traditional way is in fact a fully cooked item. And a, a, a third example, which is similar, is something called... Um, if you buy couscous and help, help you buy couscous, you talk about raw, you talk about a big, like a, like a uncooked, not ready to eat or ready to eat, I should say. Not ready to eat, right? So that stuff, is, it's, that stuff is fully, it's fully, fully edible. If it's done, if it's the real stuff, as opposed to the, the fast, right? Yeah. The stuff that leaves in my house, it's fully, right, it's fully cooked. And another food like that is made from cracked wheat, it's called tabbouli. That, that's really a Swati food. And that's made from cracked wheat. <coughs> and there, the way you, the way you prepare it, you don't even use heat when you prepare it. The, the real way to, to prepare it, meaning when you take, you bring the cracked wheat into your house, and you make tabbouli salad, is you soak the, the cracked wheat in water, add some spices and herbs and things like that, and it turns out you don't even use heat at all. In, in the couscous, you might think you're cooking it, because you, you actually cook it on a fire, but it's already cooked. But the tabbouli, you don't even make it like that. So the tabbouli, just for curiosity, we were talking to a chef to find out if it's oil or okay, We'll get to that, it's oil or in a minute. We went, so we spoke to a, a person who's a very um, prominent chef. He's a firm person who, who prepares food for very fancy affairs. And we asked him, like, how would you serve it? So he said, he said he just a, an interesting answer. He said to us, he said, I do a lot of um, work in these and these fancy hotels. He said, and I have to tell you, he says, when I do an affair for Svartim, he says, I wouldn't be, I would never dream of making such a wedding or something like this if it wasn't without the bully salad. There would be no such thing. It, would be a, it was a, like, as if I left the bread out. I could, couldn't make such a, a, dish, a food like uh, uh, an affair without that. He said, but if I went, and uh, I'll use his words, he said, if I, made, if I served it at an Ashkenazi affair, they look at it like it's dog food. He says, they don't, they don't even know what to do with this stuff. So it was just, it was just interesting. For some people, you know, which is the people who eat the bully salad, it's mamash, it's oil, so welcome. And for other people, in his words, it's dog food. Okay, so, so we have these foods. We have, I mentioned to you a few foods. We have rice and couscous and um, the cracked wheat for the taboo is out that some of these things are full, that these things are fully cooked in some of their forms they're fully cooked by the time you get them. How about rice pasta? Excuse me? Rice pasta. Okay. 
rice pasta. Okay, that is to say, he means it's pasta in the shape of a piece of rice. Oh, pasta made out of rice? Is that from Kukas? I have to think about that. That's, um, um, it's probably not cooked before. I have to think about that. I have to think about how you make that. Well, I, I would think that it's not. You don't have any. It's like other pasta. Rice pasta is the same as other pasta. It's made, I believe, from rice powder, which I think is not cooked. But I have, I have to think that out. I'm not going to answer off the cuff. So these foods that we mentioned, these foods that we mentioned, um, so I, on the surface, they should require Bashri's roll. That is to say, the factory that's making this food has to realize that that food needs Bashri's roll. Now, for, for better or for worse, those food, these foods that I mentioned are usually in the factory are cooked with live steam. That's the most common way to cook these foods. Excuse me. So, those who are making to say, that food cooked with live steam is considered ishun. It's not considered cooking um, with heat. Ishun does not need bishul yisrael. So if you hold that hot cooking with hot steam is not considered does not considered bishul to make a bishul atum, then these foods don't need bishul yisrael. If you hold even the instant, if you hold that cooking, usually these foods are cooked with live steam. In fact, not always, but usually, if you hold that hot steam doesn't need bishul yisrael, then you're off the hook. Well, then the, then the hashkach is off the hook. So I, I mentioned this as an example. Here's there's a shiloh about whether hot smoking re- makes you have to have bishul yisrael, and the the rice that you ate on Shabbos may have been sunduch on that cooler. Now I'm not I'm not saying mutarasa, but that that shiloh is negated to all these foods that really t- to the to the layman have the appearance of being raw food. You pick up a bag of rice, to the appearance is that it's a raw food, and uh, 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 we're going to see in as we go on that um, the cool that I just said to you, that maybe it's cooked by steam, is not even always as true as it's... Okay. Excuse me? With instant oatmeal? Okay, instant oatmeal is usually is cooked, actually. Um, but the oatmeal is not oil of Um So, whereas rice and the foods that I mentioned are presumably are oil of most people wouldn't consider oatmeal the way we eat it as oil of Excuse me? But Bulgur, I, I don't know who has the question, I can't look at him. But Bulgur is the, is the, the wheat that's used to create tabouli salad. That's what, that's what it is. Um, and it's fully cooked. It's, typically it's fully cooked by the time you see it in the store. Okay. Let's move on to the definition of Ola Shulchumach. For most, as was mentioned earlier, it's generally accepted that Ola Shulchumach is defined as something that would be served at a state dinner, at a, at a more sophisticated affair, as opposed to, I'll mention it just, just it's worth mentioning, that it is set over in the name of the Chazanish, that the Chazanish held that Shulchan includes anything that the Melech would eat, meaning even what the Melech eats for breakfast, meaning not when the Melech is in the function and in the role as a Melech sitting at a state dinner, you know, meeting dignitaries, blah, 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 even without that, even when he eats privately, which, if you, would, if you hold like that, <coughs> means that there's almost nothing that's not Ola Shulchan Mokham. Because the Mokham, they, I mean, they basically, they, whatever you say, they're just like us, you know, they eat the same foods that we do. So, most people don't accept that. Most people say that we looked at, at Shulchan Mokham, what they serve when they're in their role as a Melech, they're eating in, in a more sophisticated, and for our way of judging it, we usually judge it, as has been mentioned, um, by what a person, what they would serve for us at a hasana, at a, uh, a dinner, something more sophisticated, as opposed to what you would serve at a bris, or at a shalom or you serve at a, at a, at a brunch, 
That's a less sophisticated meal. That's what's not considered oil shofar. Should we tell you the name Very much so. It depends on the place. Yes. Okay. Also, uh, another shayla that was mentioned in Pearson, Barbara Kulik, which we're not going to talk about. We're just going to we're going to assume a certain way is if you have a food that could be prepared in more than one way, it could be prepared in a way that's oil shofar and a way that's not oil shofar We're going to work with the assumption that if you prepared it in the way that's not oil shofar then the food is mutter. Okay, that, that's also a shayla in the, in the contemporary question. Um, we're going to assume that that food, is, if you prepare it in the way that's not oil, then it's mutter. Okay. I said to you, and we've all been assuming that rice um, is oil shofar What would you say about um, rice pudding or rice krispies? What do you think about those foods being oil shofar So, you think, okay, you know, it's, you know, maybe if you told me that I can't eat my rice at home, but rice, rice krispies, I mean, obviously rice krispies is not oil shofar The only problem is that in order to make rice krispies, um, the rice doesn't come out of the ground and then turn into rice krispies. Before you make it into rice krispies or into rice pudding, really the first thing they do is cook up a huge pot of rice. Okay, and really in the factory, there's this huge pot of rice, which later turns into rice pudding or rice krispies. Okay, but um, I, I don't think this was really what the health department wanted them to do, but in a factory that I was at, they were making a different kind of food. Um, the employees would scoop stuff out for lunch. Okay, that's what they did when they want, you know, during lunch, like, they scoop stuff out of a big pot, because that was for them, that was good. Okay, so they're making a big pot, basically, a very big pot of food, which is, um, okay, and that stuff is not cooked with steam, it's cooked with water. It's, it's a big pot of, of rice, just like we would eat. So now, there are those who are make up to say the following. When you make, let's do the rice pudding first, that's the easier one to explain. Is when you make rice pudding, the typical way you make it is like this. You take a big pot of rice, and you cook it up. A regular pot of rice would take, let's say, 15 minutes to cook. Instead of cooking it for 15 minutes, they cook it for 45 minutes, for an hour. And then what do you think is going to happen to rice when you cook it for 45 minutes? The whole thing is, all the pieces of rice are going to fall apart, and it's going to turn into this big mush of mushed up rice, okay? And then you let it cool down, and guess what it looks like? Rice pudding. That's what you want. That's what rice pudding is. Okay, so this food went from being raw, it was put into the pot raw, and the guy cooked it, and if you stood there for 45 minutes, you would have noticed that after 15 minutes, the food was oil al-shokhamachim, but he didn't stop. He just let it keep on going, and he let it cook for 45 minutes or for an hour. By the time he finished, the stuff was not oil al-shokhamachim. It was just a big mush of, of rice pudding. Okay, so now, if you have a food like that, it has been suggested that since the God is cooking took the food from being raw to being <coughs> not oil al-shokhamachim, even though it temporarily passed through being oil al-shokhamachim in the middle, there was a time in the middle that it was oil al-shokhamachim, that food is not awesome. That is to say, just like I had mentioned that if a yid finishes the cooking of the food, he can make it bishul yisrael. The guy made it bishul and he cooked it a third. He put it into a package of parboiled rice and sent it home to me. I, by finishing the cooking, can make it bishul yisrael. So too, in a, in a somewhat of a similar way, here the here the guy started the cooking. It passed through a point when it was bishul Then, if you would have taken a snapshot in the middle, it would have been a food that was oil shochmachim and also. But since he kept on going, he ruined it and he took it to being. Um, Back, so to speak, back to being mutter. Now, the, the big difference between the cases is, of course, that in this case, in the first case, where the Yid 
Ants look cooking at the end, a yid helped in the cooking. The yid made it bishul yisrael. It was bishul akim, and the yid, that's the chiddush of the rajma, that the yid can take it out of the garbage and make it back to being bishul yisrael. Over here, there's no yid. Here, the food became also, and then something sort of on the side happened that made it not. Okay? So in rice pudding, yeslogim, is it okay? Does it need bishul yisrael or doesn't need it? Okay? But the rice krispies is even more difficult. Because in the case of the rice krispies, the derech klau, it's not one process. After they finish making the big pot of rice, that is then moved over someplace else where it's turned into Rice Krispies. So there, it's much harder to justify saying that it shouldn't eat Bishul Yisrael. The food was made by Lachem It was taken out of the pot. It's all ready to go. And then the guy did something to it to make it not Oil Lachem Imagine if you baked the potato in your house and it was all ready to be Oil Lachem and then he did something else to it. He chopped it up into little pieces and fried it and made it into something that's not oil. Why would it be mutter? The food was really oil shokhum at the beginning. It was a big pot of rice. The fact that he then moved it over and made rice krispies out of it, it's harder to justify in that case that it should be mutter. Now, he did have it in mind. It was the intention all along that it turned into rice krispies. But it's harder to justify in that case that the food shouldn't eat bishu so, so here we have a food. Here we have a food, rice krispies, that... Anybody would look at it and say, of course, this food is not oil of shukum wakum. Come on, Rice Krispies. But, but Rice Krispies really used to be a big pot of beautiful rice that was oil of shukum wakum. So now, there may be an extra tadlahokal on the Rice Krispies. This is something that needs more research, which is that the... I have been told that when you... They add all kinds of ingredients into the rice... Um, that are that taste good in when they turn into a rice crispy when the rice is crisp crisp afterwards, but that when the pot of rice would be finished, it doesn't taste right. Because at that point, the food is not it has the, the things that are added, the other additives that work well in making a rice a, a crisp rice, a breakfast cereal. Those additives don't work, don't make it taste very good when it's in that middle stage. Okay, so if that's true, then it was never oil shochumah. Okay, but it's something that needs to be considered. Okay, let's move to a different food in the same type of shayla. Um, I'm guessing that everybody here has seen um, potato flakes. Okay, potato flakes are they're small, you can't move. It's, it's these little like powder, like like flakes, little pieces that are used. You add water to it, and it turns into mashed potatoes. Okay, and they're famous for being used to make school lunches. Okay, they make it you know to serve to people who you don't think of as shulchan lachim. Okay, they make it for for you know what are you gonna do? You, you plop together some of the stuff, and it's it, it's not as Good. Yes, welcome. There have, I have heard from caterers that no, it's fine, it's no problem. But let's assume that it's not oil shukumov. It's also used to make another food, to make Pringles. Right? You make Pringles out of potato flakes. Again, it's not oil shukumov. You don't think of Pringles as um, a more sophisticated food. Okay. Excuse me? For making the filling in a pareka. Yes, you could use that also. Okay, so then you potentially go to something that is more oil shukumov. Okay. You're saying is that even if the mashed potato itself is not good enough to serve our shokum welcome. If you dress it with other things, you could be. Okay, good. So I'm, I'm, you're, you're making things worse. I'm, I'm even assuming that it's not a shokum welcome. But we have a different problem. We have, no, that's a good point. That there are ways to use that it is oiler. But there's a different thing. How do you make potato flakes? Okay, the way you make potato flakes, you, by now you already guessed this, but the way you make potato flakes is it takes three steps to make potato flakes. The first thing is called blanching. Okay, they dunk the potatoes into hot water, and I, I don't know what this means. I'm going to sound very sophisticated. It releases gases, whatever that means. Somehow it's good for the potatoes. I don't know. And then they cook it. Okay? And then after they cook it, then they take the potatoes 
and they put them onto something called a drum dryer. Okay, a drum dryer is a huge piece of equipment. It's like a, it's a drum, like laying on the side of a drum, a boiling hot, filled with steam, this drum, and they shovel the potatoes onto it, and when the potato hits the drum, it, it immediately, all the water boils out, and it turns into a potato flake. Okay, it ju- turns out it turns into this flaky stuff that looks like I don't know, big day trough. Okay, the, the, the whole, it, it dries right on this thing, and then when it comes off, then you say, man, the stuff is not, oh, let's Okay, but the problem is, just like our Rice Krispies, when, when, before they shovel it on, and I, I kid you not, they do with shovel, they sit there with boots, with shovels, throw it onto the thing, before they shovel it on, this, the pot is this huge pot of delicious mashed potatoes. A, a huge, huge pot full of mashed potatoes. Okay, so, at that point, the potatoes are on the Okay, the food, the potatoes have been cooked to be, uh, before someone ruined it by taking it and shoveling it onto a big drum dryer, it's a delicious big pot full of mashed potatoes. Sorry, I missed the process. I don't know why they got mashed. Okay, they, as part of the cooking, the cooking ends up mashing them also. Okay, that, they, they get cooked enough that they turn into a mashed potato. Um, but even if they wouldn't be mashed, they're, they're, I've seen it. They're, they look, it's a huge, delicious pot full, you're ready to eat lunch. I mean, you can eat forever. Okay, so the, the, so the so the shaila is over here. We're back to our same question. It's sort of like the rice krispies. Okay, so for for in this case, we're back to our earlier cooler, which is across the board. The standard in the industry is that that second stage of cooking is done with live steam. Okay? That's the standard, at least in at least in the places that I've been in. The, in the the big industry that there is in this area that does potatoes. That's the standard in the industry. They cook it with live steam. That is say that big pot is filled with a zillion potatoes in it. They pump live steam into it and they cook the potatoes. So, if you're a maple to say, excuse me, cooking with live steam is considered is considered ishun and it's not in the isur bishalakim, then you're, you would seem to be okay. The food is cooked with live steam. There, there are potentially other tzirufni that I'm not mentioning, but the, the simple reason to be maple to not require bishu soul for that food would be to say that it's cooked with live steam. Okay, now, but that is dependent on one piece of information, which is, I told you there were three steps. The first step was blanching, okay, and typically in the blanching, the potatoes, they get sliced up and dunked into the hot water, and they sit there for a couple of minutes, and it doesn't cook the food, okay, but I once made a trip that included like a, maybe a dozen potato factories, and in that trip, at every factory, we tasted the potatoes as they came out of the blanching. And in Kamat, every single factory, they were not edible when they came out of the, out of the blancher. Okay? But in one factory, they were. In one factory, they had a different style. They cut it very thin, and they let it sit for a long time, even though the other people screamed that it was terrible and it ruins the potatoes, and you can't do that. In this factory, that's what they did. So that, in this, now there's no hectare of steam anymore. The, the, the person who's cooking in the water is making Kamat Kapenchu soy. That food is also at that point. Cooking later in steam is not going to save it. We could say cooking in steam doesn't ruin it, but it can't save it. So if you taste it, and it was, and it was tasty, and it was fish salata? Right, that's correct. Okay. Right. So you want to know why I tasted it? Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. Um, well, I was going to say, this is a prima godam. testing. No, no, the prima godam. The prima godam says that a person, a person if, if, they're, if Roy is that the food's going to be mutter, and to Nisad Rabbanon, then they're allowed to do Te'imo, to see if it's right. So, I, the assumption is that it was Mutter. In fact, in the past 10 factories, it was fine. That was the assumption. So, it's a pretty problem that you're allowed to taste it. But it's a good question. Okay. So, so, um, 
Right? Even Shabbat. Okay. Let's be wrong. Okay. So, so what I'm getting to over here is, is that even if you're gonna, if you're gonna say that cooking with steam is mutter, and the re- the potato flakes are gonna be mutter because they were the bishul by the gori is not considered bishul. Okay. But that now you have this rule. You told me that it's mutter, but you have to apply it properly to the situation. If you're getting your potatoes from the factory that has that they different style of cooking where the blanching does do a cooking, you can't just say, uh, my policy is that I'm allowed to it's cook with steam and it's mutter. Someone's got to be hands-on and know what's going on. Then in fact, that the first stage didn't do the cooking. Okay, now another, we now move to another potato food. This, you may, ne- may never have seen this food. It's called, they call potato dices. Okay, which is, companies prepare potatoes. Um, they cook them, they cut them into these very small shapes or cubes or different, all different styles of shapes, and they cook them in water, um, they cook it that is passably edible, that was the same in all the places, it was coming out of, but it comes out of the, out of that cooking that it does. So, those foods are, these foods are partially cooked, they're cooked in water, they're, at this point they're passably edible, so they should be bishop. So, what possible reason, if any, is there to say that that food doesn't need to be soil. Now, I keep telling you that you don't and you don't. In all these cases, means to say is that if you want to be more careful, you're going to make it be soil. So, is there a reason to think that it shouldn't be? So, here, this food is an unusual food, that this food is, is sometimes people will give hashkacha to it, and the hashkacha will be, even though it's bishalachim, there's a lot you know, some people, I, I tell us that sometimes consumers on the phone, they say, does your hashkacha, I work in Chicago for the CRC, does your hashkacha make that food should be bishul yisrael? So I say, you know, even though the halachas of bishul are in the second chelik of Yerdeh, it's still in the rules of what has to make food kosher, so the second chelik of Yerdeh is just as important as the first chelik, you know, so we have to, we have to think about those, I did, I, not always bishul yisrael, but we have to think about those halachas also. So how can someone sell potato dices that are bishalachim? What's going on over here? So, so the, the answer is, I'll tell you, the reason is because this food is not fully cooked. It's only partially cooked. So what is someone going to do with his potato dices? He's going to take them home, and he's going to make something with it. Or it's going to go to a restaurant. That's more where it goes to typically, to a food service establishment. And they're going to cook it. Now, if it's a kosher place, of course, the inn's going to light the fires. In every kosher food establishment, someone's making sure it's visually so. So, what will happen is, for Ashkenazim, it'll be saved by the inn who finishes the cooking. It doesn't leave the factory fully cooked. It leaves the factory half cooked. So, when it leaves the factory, and, it, and it's bishalachim, but we know that the consumer is going to save it. Okay? And this, that's, that's fair, but it's only fair. Because it's, it's a tremendous mirchal. Because the mirchal, the potential mirchal is, is that on that same trip, on that same trip, I went to a company that was making vodka, okay? And you don't want to know what they used to use to make vodka. When the hashkocha came in, they said, no, no, you can't use that stuff. So they said, okay, they'll buy potato dices to make their vodka. So what did they do? They bought potato dices, one of these kind of shapes, from a company with hashkocha. They took those potatoes and they turned them into vodka. Okay? Was there a yid cooking the, the potatoes over there? Of course not. Well, why should they, what, you're making vodka, what does vodka need to be visually as well? That, that, so they started off with something that was, it came in, Bishalakim, with the assumption that he is going to finish it off. Well, who knows what's going to happen to it? What's going to happen like this? You know, sometimes you get a, uh, I don't know if any of you here have eaten it, uh, they have this, what they call a cup of soup, 
Okay, it comes in a cup with a bunch of dried out things in it. You pour in hot water into it, and it becomes edible. Okay, well, if there's potatoes in there, those potato dices were half cooked in the factory. And then when you pour the hot water into it, it gets fully cooked. Okay, so that is to say, if you, if you say to the cook, could you put hot water into my cup of soup and finish off the cooking, the finishing off of the cooking was done by a guy also. So you're selling it to me because you're counting on me finishing off the, the cooking. How do you know what the company's going to do with it? If they put it into a soup, then it has to finish it off. If they sell it to a company, then the company, but the, the rabbi master of that company is not paying attention. So it's potentially, it's potential. I, I won't tell you the name of the person, but I was sitting with a prominent person and talking about one of these questions, and that person was sitting there, and while we were talking about it, what was munching on these dried out potato dices, because they, they're like sort of like crunchy potato chips, okay, like really hard, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and it dawns on me that the person, we're sitting talking about a shy, the person is eating fish lock, okay, because it's not, it's, it's not, it's not fully cooked. But it's already enough to be bishlakim. So the guy, the person just sitting there munching on, on the thing. I'm like, oh, hello, spit it out. No, you can't eat that. You can't, that, that food, that's the shadow. Maybe you'll finish it up at home. But, you know, chewing is, okay, fine. Let's get to a, a, a little. Is the potato dices, I'm going to assume that they can be other shukma. Let, let's say like this. It, it's a fair, that's a fair question. The, as they are, as half-cooked potatoes, if you cook them a little bit more, they're fine. They're just potatoes. They, they, at this point, they're just plain old cooked potatoes, which are, I'm assuming they are. We'll go to a little bit of a simpler question. Um, beans. Yes? Um, I just want to clarify an issue with the bishop with finishing off by a Jewish person. Is, I'm confused with the first people with Hasakum versus Bishalakum as to whether a person is allowed to finish a Jewish person finishing off. I understood that with Bishalakum, that once it's past a certain stage, that, that a Jew finishing off doesn't help. Right, so that's something that I need to ask the first speaker to clarify. I didn't understand it because the Mahabra says like that, that for Bishalakim, a Yid finishing off doesn't help, but the Ramah says that it does. So that's something that I have to If the Kamacha Ben Shishoy, the Ramah says that you can finish it off. So if I said for Ashkenazim, a Yid can finish it off. So I wasn't clear. So there was something I have to clarify. As far as, as I know, it's, it's a din in the Ramah. Um, beans and chickpeas. The Ramah says, that they don't have bishlachim because they're not oila shochum And even though it was mentioned that beans and that we don't, we can't follow the rules that were given a few hundred years ago, you know, because oila shochum changes from times and places. Most people would assume that nowadays beans and chickpeas are still not oila shochum um, One, one. No, no, no. I shouldn't say that. They can eat chalim, but they don't eat at shochum You know when. When the king of Denmark shows up, they don't, they don't serve it to him. At least, so far. Okay. Yes. yes. We're not working with that assumption that, that, that anything he eats is correct. Okay. There is a little bit of a silence for that, but I'm, I'm really just... The Why not? The, the, question, the, question is, the, question, the question is not, as I had mentioned, the Chazanish says that anything the Melech eats is considered Allah Shulchan We work with the assumption that it's not that. It's what the king serves when he has sophisticated company comes to show up. Now, the truth is, if there were a real king, a, a Yiddish king, he might in fact serve it when, when the governor, uh, the, the mayor of Haifa comes, maybe he would serve him. So maybe, uh, don't have to think about that. Okay, for now, we're, we're safe. Um, so the, 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 there is a, uh, there is a, 
there is a little bit of a question to this, which is, in recent years, it's become popular to serve something called three bean salad. Okay, three bean salad is, what do you think it's made of? Beans. Okay, and it's served at Shulchan Lachem. But it's, most people assume that Hagan, that there is a way to serve it on Shulchan Lachem, unless you're actually cooking that food, we say the fact that somebody came up with one way to use the food on Shulchan Lachem doesn't, so to speak, ruin it for the whole food. You can't say that just because there's one, you cooked a beans. See, there is one way. A guy can open the can up and turn it into a three bean salad. We don't assume that one, you know, you know, unusual way to use it should ruin it for the whole food. Okay. But now, having heard that, let's move to two other foods where that child is not so simple. Okay. And those two foods are um, chow mein noodles and, and watered chestnuts. Those two foods are foods that, when they're cooked, kishilahein la'atzmam, are not oil of okay, if the, only, the people who eat chow mein noodles straight is my kids. Okay, they sit to him, the thing, as they walk past the pantry and they eat some chow mein noodles. It's a snack. And who eat, who, I don't know anybody who eats water chestnuts, but I'm sure there's somebody out there, it's not shofamach. They don't, you ever came to a wedding and they put a big bowl of water chestnuts. Okay, they don't, it doesn't happen. But what do you do with those foods? You take chow mein noodles and you put them with other foods at a very fine looking dish. The, the water chestnuts are probably in the same dish. But you, you mix it with different kinds of things and then you serve it in a way that it is Allah Shukhamach. Meaning, not, not, not only our way of using it, but a very a prime way of using these foods is our Shukhamachim. But every time you use it, it's in a secondary use. Okay? You're never served a bowl of chow mein noodles at um, Shukhamachim. But you would very much be served it as a tuffle to other foods. Okay? It would be served as a secondary part of other foods. You have a plate of rice with some vegetables and chow noodles mixed on top of it. And it would be considered Allah Shulchan So should such a food be considered that the food is Allah Shulchan Again, the food itself would never be eaten as Shulchan But the food, in one of its prime uses, it is used as Shulchan So those, there have been those who said that the, you can't judge a food by its use as a tuffle. You have to look at the food by itself. If you have potatoes, you have rice, rice is served by shochem But if the food itself is all, it's only shochem as a tuffle, can't use it like that. And what's sort of similar to a din, which is, in bishlakim, if you have a mixture of two foods, okay, the, the example in shochem is, you made bread, and the bread, you made, you made challah, and the, the challah has in it flour and water and eggs in the batter to make the, the egg. I'm, I'm not talking about the egg that's on the top. So you made it flour, water, eggs, and ten other things. The eggs that are in the batter don't need visual yisrael because, they're included in the hefter of paspalta, because the, the eggs are tuffled to the bread. So there is such a, uh, an idea in visual akim that things that are tuffled don't count. Things that are tuffel are not considered. So that, that one, that's sort of like extending that to here also, that the only time it's Allah Shulchan is as a tuffel, it's as one of secondary use, we don't have to consider that. Okay, of course, the, the, question, the question is, is because it's tuffel. Okay, it's, it's two times. The din by eggs, it says it's tuffel and not nickel, it says over there. If you look in Kufi Gimel, where the din is again, there, it, it, it says it more but famous the word tuffel. And if you have a mile made of two foods, and one is ikr and one is tuffel, you follow the ikr in the side of Bishlach. So by the case of eggs, it really is because the tuffle doesn't say it as clearly. Okay, that's in Kufi Basin. Kufi Gimel, it says it more clearly that it's because the egg, the other ingredients are tuffle. The problem is 
that in the halachas official akum lachayro, this the way of serving rice with chamei noodles on it, or a dish with vegetables and uh, and water chestnut lachayro would not be considered a tuffle. Okay, so the dinner of Bishalakim are not the same as the Hilchus Brachas. would not be, and it's the, even the whole story is harder to hear because you're saying just using it as a tuffle is not a way to judge whether something is a But here, that's really the way you use this food. What do you do with water chestnuts? You cook them up and then you mix them with other vegetables and serve them as shochem It's not a like a by the way kind of way to use it. It's very much the way that you use those foods. So it's harder to hear why those, so again, even though we said for uh, beans, there's an unusual way to use it on Shulchan we ignore that. But it's harder to say that over here when this is the primary that you use the food, it's harder to say that this food should not, that shouldn't make it on Shulchan Okay. Again, what, um, what we're talking about? Excuse me? Okay, canned water chestnuts is... Okay, the way it's cooked is, I, I didn't mention that, we really were talking about steam, but can't, the way it is is that the water chestnuts up into the can with a brine, some kind of a liquid, the can is sealed, and then usually the can is cooked in steam. Okay, but that's, almost nobody holds that that's in the heter of Ishun. Because what's cooking the water chest, there's heat coming from, this, from the steam, but it's in, a, it's in a, like a little pot filled with water. Okay, it's getting hot. The whole thing is getting hot with liquid in, in there. Almost nobody holds it. That's considered Ishun. When we say Ishun, steam to be considered Ishun is, like I described to you, Rabbi Levin was saying, you've got a whole room full of tunas, and there's just steam cooking them. Okay, there's just steam pumping into the room. That's not the same as when it's in the catering. Okay, most hold it. That's, almost nobody holds it. That's considered Ishun. Okay. that if the company's making three bean salad, the thing that itself is oil, that everyone should agree that that needs because they're making the food that's oil shulchan You can't say no, no, it's not oil. It, it, this one manush is It's hard to escape that that needs. It. Okay. We now we're moving to off of oil shulchan to the other big cloud in bishul um, yisrael, which is that if a food is nefachai, if a food is edible raw, it doesn't need bishul yisrael. And for this thing, there's a very important shaft to know for this thing. The Shaf talks about the following case. What happens if you have a food that most people eat cooked? Most people don't eat this food raw. But there are people who eat it raw. The food is, there's people who eat this food raw. The Shaf says that that food is considered nefachai. It's considered edible raw. Because people do eat it raw. Excuse me, they may prefer to eat it in the cooked form. But people do eat it raw, that food is considered nefachai. So now, we have to, we have to give you three examples of, to understand that shah. When it does, it doesn't apply. Again, the shah said, if some people eat it raw, and just everybody prefers to eat it cooked, that's considered nefachai. Okay, the first cases, this is for Rabbi um, Levin, who was so nice as to have me over, and for breakfast, basically served this to me. So I told him, look forward to that I've mentioned this case. I was going to mention it anyhow. But, <coughs> um, cranberries. Cranberries are terribly tart. And most, uh, nobody eats cranberries as they are. You can't bite into, I mean, it's not considered edible to bite into cranberries. They can't eat them. So you have, they're so tart, you can't eat them. So what do you have to do? You have to sweeten them. 
Okay, the, 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 the cranberry juice we were eating was cranberries mixed with a sweetener. You don't eat cranberry, pure cranberry juice. Nobody eats that. So the cranberries have to be sweetened. Okay, the typical way that you sweeten cranberries is you cook the cranberries together with some kind of a sweetener that gives the sweet taste to them, and then you want to make cranberry sauce. You cook cranberries with some kind of a sweetener, and it makes it have a sweet taste to it. Okay? So the typical way that people eat cranberries is after they've been sweetened through cooking. So most people are eating it cooked. However, so, however, if you look at the package of cranberries, if you buy actual raw, raw cranberries, it's at, packages that I have seen give recipes for how you at home can make it to sweeten it without cooking. You're not a factory. You're not going to cook it up. There are ways to sweeten it that you should be able to eat it without cooking it. And the people in the industry have said, it, the Epsom doesn't need cooking. It's not like a potato that you can't bite into. It doesn't need cooking. The cooking is just the way to get the sweetener into it. Okay? And there are other ways to get sweetener into it without cooking. You can get it, and the package gives you ideas of how to sweeten it in your house. I mean, without having to cook it. So here we have a food that almost nobody eats it raw, but people would eat it raw if they had a different way to sweeten it. So does that qualify for the shach, or it doesn't qualify for the shach? The shach said that if people usually eat it cooked, but they would, they would also eat it raw, they would potentially eat it raw. So does this food that you really could eat raw, but you just choose not to because you buy it from the store already cooked and sweetened, but you could have sweetened it without cooking, does that count? So on that child, so far, we would say that this kamat nobody, this is the opposite now of the beans, this kamat nobody who eats the cranberries without cooking. Even though the shah said that some people eating it raw is good enough, but here there's like, there's nobody. How many people buy the package of cranberries and then go put sugar onto it and whatever they have to do to make it edible? Most people don't. Most people eat it in the cooked way. Okay, but we were saved, we were saved, by the new invention, which was, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, they, peep, cranberries were very popular, so a lot of farmers started planting cranberries. And then the fed died, and all of a sudden there were all these farms with cranberries, and they had nothing to do with them. So to solve the problem, they invented something called craisins. Okay, craisins are dried out cranberries, and that was a way to deal with the over, there was too much cranberries to go around. How, how much, you know, how much can you eat? So the, they came up with craisins. Now craisins are not cooked, and they are sweetened without that. So all of a sudden it became a whole, it became a significant group of people who eat cranberries not cooked. So the cranberries went back to quali- for sure qualifying for the shah. The shah said if some people eat it raw and most people eat it cooked, that's fine. That's not that's considered an alcohol. So because craisins are a thing that people eat raw, it went back to being considered an alcohol. So what, what happens uh, something that used to always be cooked but now you normally use steam to cook it? So does that become that it's ever, that it becomes ever also from off-meat stuff? Say it again. Can you say the question again? That normally, normally, normally used to cook potatoes, but now the good portion of potatoes are made with steam. So the old steam is not, is not uh, official. So then even ones that are cooked should be considered not high because... Okay, that, that's, that's actually a very good question. It, it's, it relates to what I'm about to say. I'm going to wait to answer your question. It relates to what I'm about to say now, which is, the next food is uh, beets. Okay, beets are not, they're not, they're not tart, but they're hard as a rock. You can't bite into a beet. Okay, you can't, it's not nechokai. But, probably half the people in this room ate beets that were raw yesterday. Because when you make chrein, okay, you, meet, you mix horseradish with beets. You don't have to cook those beets for that. 
Those, they, because they're with other foods, they don't need to, they don't, because they're with the beets, with the horseradish, they don't need to be cooked. So here we have a food that typically, if you buy a can of beets, okay, you're buying cooked beets. That's the way you usually eat it. If you want to buy beets in the, in the fruit store and take them home and cook them, you cook them before you eat them. But there are people, plenty of people, who eat beets, who are eating beets raw. So should that be the same as the cranberries? Okay. So this case is more complicated because, as was mentioned, in this case, the beets, they're not really raw. In, they're raw in the scientific sense. But in the din, we don't consider them raw. They were kavosh. They're sitting in vinegar and with other things in there that make them, in din, being considered cooked. So maybe, we should say, is these are food they're never eaten raw. Either they're cooked up in a pot, or they're cooked up in a way, what we call kavosh. Now, for bishalakum, kavosh doesn't make it be considered cooked. For bishalakum, steaming maybe wouldn't be considered cooked, in your question. But no one eats it raw. Doesn't mean that it's, it, it doesn't mean that it's raw. It just means it was cooked in a way that didn't make it awesome. But that doesn't mean that if anyone's eating it raw, no one's eating the beet, no one eats potatoes raw. They eat it cooked in a way that avoids the iser. Okay, fine, they avoided the iser, but they didn't eat it raw. So here, it's hard, it's, it's questionable whether that should make it, in this case, question whether it should make it us or not. They're eaten raw, but they go through a process that the din would be considered a type of a cooking. So, in effect, no one eats it raw. Okay, but these are easy. You, you, you could live with these. You could live without eating, well, okay, maybe the next one you could live with also. But the, the next one is more complicated. There's another food that cannot everybody eats it cooked. Cannot everybody eats it cooked. But were I to give it to you in a blind taste test, and close your eyes, and here I'll spoon you some of it, you would think it's fine. You would think it's edible. Kamat, nobody eats it raw. And that food is sweet corn. Okay, corn on the cob. What we call sweet corn. The canned corn, like you eat like that. That food, when, it, when you take it off, you know, take it out of the husks, you eat it, the food is edible. It tastes fine. And the Hawaiian, my kids eat it. Now that they've been told that it's not high, because that's the day, they say, Ma, don't bother cooking it, let's eat it. They just peel it up and eat it. It is edible. If you were served it, you would eat it. But the, the typical, not the call, 98% of the people who eat corn eat it cooked. Most people prefer the taste in the cooked form. It doesn't taste the same. It tastes fine when it's raw, and it tastes different when it's cooked. And most people prefer the cooked taste. So in this food, does that qualify for the shach? And it's good and it's bad. The beets and the cranberries are foods that were inherently not edible as they were. The cranberries are too tart, and the beets are too hard. You can't eat them. So we hear that they're more considered not edible raw. Excuse me, the corn, there's nothing wrong with eating it as it is. It seems to be the classic of what the shop was talking about. It is nefachai. It is edible in its raw form. But most people prefer it in the cooked form. So it would seem that it should be mutter. In other words, that the canned corn doesn't need to have been bishwishol. On the other hand, we go back to what I mentioned by the beet. There's kamat nobody who eats it raw. Okay, my kids notwithstanding. There's kamat nobody who eats it raw. So how can you say, when the shach said, there are some people who eat it raw, we're extending that. We're saying, some people eat it raw, meaning some people would eat it raw. That's not what the shach said. The shach said some people do eat it raw. In this food, there's, there's nobody who actually eats it raw. It is edible raw, but it doesn't eat raw. So that's a clear. If you, you're going to buy a can of canned corn, if it was cooked without fish for your soul, you're, you're eating it because 
You're saying this food is natural chai. Even though in your life you've never eaten that food raw. And nobody who you know has eaten that food raw. So if you're making a hashara that this is natural chai, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it's, it's a hashara that this is natural chai, even though no one eats it raw, but everyone could eat it raw. You could potentially eat it raw. How is it cooked? How is it cooked? It's cooked when you do like a can of corn. As was mentioned before, it's in the can with a brine, and then usually cooked with steam. What? When you cook the canned corn, that food is fully cooked. Okay, if it went through, that's a different topic. It's fully cooked when it comes out of the can. You're just, you, if you like it warm, that's your, that you're choosing to make it warm, but it's not. It's fully cooked at that point. Okay, now we'll get back. I hope if we have time, we're going to get that. There's a, hold on a second. There's a different kind of corn. Okay, that's used for making other foods. Why is it used sweet corn? There's a different kind of corn that's used for making like tortillas and wraps. That's a whole different kind of corn, which is surely not nechachai. If we have time, we're going to get to that. that that's its own child's name. you have a question? Yes. Okay, so I forgot to mention at the beginning. I, it's, it's in here in my notes if you want to see. That one of the child's I'm not going to talk about is fish child's. Okay, all fish child's, that's its own. Next year's yachikala, I'll announce it now. Next year's yachikala is on topic of fish. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a responsibility for that, but um, it's its own topic, it's its own shiloh. Not, fish has many shiloh too, I'm not going to talk about that. But sushi is its own quirk in the shiloh. Um, green beans are the same as people to Green beans are raw, on nechachai. They are nechachai. Okay. In, in the interest of time, I'm, we're going to keep on moving. Okay, we have two more topics, um, and I'm going to try to do what I can. Okay. Um, to, is corn a lechachmachim? My understanding is that it is. That the sweet corn is considered a lechachmachim. You could, you could disagree, or you could, you know, maybe it depends on the place. I believe that it's true. That, that it, that's my impression. Okay. The frozen corn, how's it frozen corn is not cooked. I don't know if it's the question, but frozen corn is not cooked. It's blanched, it's not cooked. So that, that, that's wrong. That's really wrong. Okay. Um, Did you come up with a, with a fact on, this, uh, on these cases? I, after, you want to know what would we do in the series if you're doing it? That, that's sort of like a personal question. Um, that, that's something, but I, 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 I'm a little bit of joking, but it's something that if you're, Rabbi Levin mentioned, he ran away, he mentioned that a certain amount you have to trust the Hashkafa, but a certain amount you have to question them and understand at least that they're considering the Shaiva. Okay, that meaning that the, the hashkacha is run not only that it's administered properly, but it's always taken through this kind of a child. Okay, I have to tell you, I, when I once spoke to people in Kashas, and I, I don't consider this a bad thing, I spoke to people in Kashas about different kind of bishwakim questions, and one of the people raised his hand, and I, I kid you not, he had been working in Kashas for many years, and he said, um, how come um, in my factory, I, I'm the mashkir in the factory, and we make apple juice, why doesn't my factory need bishwakim as well? Okay, now, of course, it's, a, it's really a foolish question because apples are nechachai. So apple juice doesn't need bashri, so there's other reasons why he doesn't eat it. But the point is, at least he had opened his mind. He said, whoa, wait a second, let me think about the plants that I go to. Am I thinking about bashri so So you want that your babamashir and his mashkichim should be thinking about that. Um, so I'm not going to answer your question as to whether the can, if we would give hashkach, if we would require it or not. But it's a serious question. And if you have canned corn in your house, it's a fair question, is, is my corn bashri so or does it need to be? That's for your rough the answer. Okay. The Gemara, we're going to move through. We're, we're tight on time, so I'm going to move on like this. We've the, you, now you came up with your food and you decided that you want to make the food for Shri Yisrael. Okay, you heard all these 
scary things in Yisrael. Okay, the food has to be Bishri Yisrael. So what does it take to make the food Bishri Yisrael? As was mentioned, the Gemara says three ways to make the food Bishri Yisrael. Either the Yid lights the fire. I'm sorry. First one, the Goy lights the fire and the Yid puts the food on. The second is that the Yid lights the fire and the Goy puts the food on. And the third is that the Goy lights the fire, the Goy puts the food on, and the Yid stokes the coals. We have three ways to make Bishri Yisrael. The, as was mentioned, the din that you could do ish me ish, that if a yid lights a fire, then the guy could take from that fire and light and light the fire for which you cook from. That's an extension of the second din. That is to say, not only is it good if the if the yid lights the fire, but even if the yid lights a little fire for which the guy took that and lit up his whole thing, lit up the, the oven, that's also considered that the yid lit the fire. And the last din which is that if the Yid stokes the coals, that's considered Bishri Yisrael. So that, from the Ramam understands, that that case, the Yid does not really contribute anything to the cooking, but he's made, that, the Gemara means to say that the Yid has made a hacker, that the Yid has to be involved in the cooking, from which we learn out, that if any time the Yid makes a hacker, that's good enough. And therefore, if the Yid, it does Hashrochah's kissing, the Yid throws a little twig, a little toothpick into the fire, that doesn't do anything for the cooking, but that does, um, that does make a hecker that the Yid has to be involved, and that's considered that the Yid participated in the cooking also. And that the Ramah is Meiko, wait a second, that the Ramah is Meiko, that that's also considered that the Yid participated. What the Gemara means to say when it says you didn't light it, you didn't put it on, you just threw something that you had nothing to do with the cooking, but even so, it's considered um, visually soul because the Yid, he made a hecker that this needs a Yid's participation. And you just take a piece of paper in it. Okay. Paper lights now. Would that be the guy lit a pilot, and you added some. You put a piece. So you're not adding anything to the fire. That's that's an interesting question. But we're, you're you're usually you're not doing that. The keysame is being thrown into the fire. It's like joint part of the fire. Piece of paper into the pilot, and you let it catch fire now. It's a good question. Um, that might if you threw it in, maybe it would be good. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that wouldn't be good. You're trying to make a hacker. You're not trying to cook. You're trying. To, to make a hacker, you're, you're saying that you did it into the pilot. Lukhari, that should be good also. I think that would be good. For all future fires. For fires taken from that pilot. It's now a Yitz has made a hacker to that fire. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm going to digress for a second. It has been mentioned already, uh, even though I'm supposed to do a Bishalakim, that one of the reasons why, you, one of the reasons why it's important that somebody making cooking food and food service, that means a restaurant, a hotel, a caterer, should have a mashkiach there all the time, is to take care of Bishri Yisrael. Even if there aren't other reasons to have him, one of the main reasons why it's important to have him a, a firm person at all times in the kitchen is to take care of Bishri Yisrael. We, we will see in a second that there might be ways to make Bishri Yisrael without the idea, but there are many weaknesses to those systems, and it's very worthwhile to have a firm person at all times, aside from the other reasons, just for the Bishri Yisrael. And in that context, I want to mention that when you go to the store, it sort of was mentioned in passing, you go to the store, and you see two products in front of you. And one is from some national brand, not a Jewish brand, and one is from a Jewish brand, with, with a hashkocha from somebody, um, a, sort of like a private hashkocha, not a, one of these national hashkochas like the COR. The assumption is that those foods from the, what we'll call the Hamish or the Jewish brand, are Bishul or Pasis uh, And that assumption is not always true. So that is to say, if you want to say, I'm going to buy the 
the, this brand of corn instead of that brand of corn, this brand of pretzels instead of that big, it's worth making a phone call to the Rav HaMashah to find out if it's Bishri Yisrael. You say, why wouldn't it be Bishri Yisrael? Well, maybe it is and maybe it isn't. It, it does, it's not automatic. It's easier for them, the, the, a smaller hashkocha who's doing a special run to make some little brand of cookies or, or corn, that they have the potential to make these bishri so They say, why not? Why not make it bishri so? Well, why not is because, first of all, they may not have thought of it, and to your surprise, they might not have even sent the mashkiach there. Okay? It doesn't always work as the way you think that it's going on. I, I'm, I'm saying is you have to, you have to think about who you're getting it from, the quote will say, hello, Harava going, did you make it to Shiso? You didn't make it to Shiso. Which is, that's a fair question for you to ask the person. The, the, the you know, this, this, this is a balance over here. The bigger Hashkachas have a run different systems than the private Hashkachas. And each one has miles and chesorites. Um, Can Should they write that on the package? That, that's, okay, that, that's their call. That's their call. You know, I, in, in done properly, uh, the way, the proper way, the, 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 most, the optimal way for a private hashgacha, in my mind, to do the hashgacha is for them to go to a company that has a national hashgacha. I mean, they're covering certain things and say, between all the companies that make potato chips, I'm going to find the one that has the least shyness to it, that's the simplest, that's the most straightforward. I'll go to five different places and I find a good one. Now I found one that has the least shyness to it and I'll send my mashgacha down to there and we'll do a special one in this place. So then you're getting mileage from this side and from this side. If, you, if, if the person goes into it blindly or he's not doing, doing less, then he's, getting, he's worse off. So you have, you have a balance to get it there. What do you say? Special run. The, the private Ashkafas, that's a lot of research. Okay. Okay, but you're, I, I, I don't know you personally, but when your person, when you're going to the store to buy the, ideally the, the private, the, the, the Jewish brand of the product, you're paying extra for it more than the other thing. And part of why you're paying for it is for that hashkacha. Well, presumably for that hashkacha. And for the fact that it's a small run of the So that's their... So what they're supposed to be giving you for your money is that editing. They do it with the town towns. They come in special. They special run. Okay. Okay, let, let me move along. The, the... In food service, in food service, the absolutely the best way is to have mashkir all the time. If not to have a mashgir all the time, at least a firm presence in the establishment. If the person is not from, you may know that there's a machlekes whether someone who's not from can, um, if his lightings create the shuyis well. And there's a machlekes. Um, if it means something, Moshe was makel, that it is considered the shuyis well. But this question is really um, academic. Because we're not talking here, if, if it happened in your house, it would be one thing. But you go into a restaurant, you have to trust the person that they did it. There's ten people in the back of the kitchen. Okay? And one of them is the non-from person, and you're saying that his cooking is considered Bishri Yisrael. Well, then you're saying is that you're trusting him that he did the cooking. I walked into a little, it wasn't a food service, but a little operation, and as we walked in, I walked in with a mashkiach. And I said to the mashkiach, is there going to be Bishri Yisrael in this factory? It was, a, it was like a little factory, a little place. I said, is it going to be Bishri Yisrael? He said, yes, because Avi, who is not religious, Avi um, does all the cooking. Okay? But when we walked in, Avi, we said to, we said to Avi, Avi, uh, you do the cooking? He said, well, things have gotten busy, and Jose helps me out also. Okay? So, so the reason why Avi could say that is because since Avi is not, doesn't keep tasha, he's not 
careful about kashrus. To him, it's not important. So we can't trust Avi that he's going to always do the cooking. And when he gets too busy, so then, uh, whatever the rabbi said, whatever. So Jose will do it also. What's the difference? It's almost the same thing. So, so, the, so you, even if a not from person's cooking is bis- creates special use for all, but that person, you have to trust the person. So in a, in a food service establishment, you can't trust him because he doesn't have to be that modest to, to make sure that he is going to do the visual that you want him to do. Okay. It was mentioned that a pilot light is considered Eish Me'ish. Ramos says that that's considered the Yid the fire. There's um, the Ramah, the impression from the Ramah is that it's Mutal Chachilah. The question for that is that the Ramah is coming from Isav Heter. The Isav Heter says that it's only Mutal B'Tiyavid. There's a question whether it should be Mutal Chachilah or only B'Tiyavid. That's a question. However, in food service, is not like in your house. In, in your house, if, when, if you still have a pile of light, you lit it once and it stays on Mamish for six months. And if it, if it ever goes out, it's like a whole to-do that it went out. But in a restaurant, if it lasted for six days, that's a chiddush. Okay? Pilot lights in food service establishments don't last because they don't cook like you do in your house. Okay? There's mess and things all over the place. Things have caked on, garbage on. Pilot lights don't last. So if in din, the pilot light might be good enough, in practice, it's very weak to rely on it. And people put their mitzvah things. They say, okay, we make a rule in the kitchen, no one's not to have any matches. No, there's a no match rule in the kitchen. Okay? Other guys have another rule. They put a, if you ever go to a shiver house, they have these big candles, right, that burn for a whole seven days. So a yid lights that and sticks it in the corner. Says, if the pilot ever burns out, light it from here. Okay? So we gave the, the guy away at least to light it from the Eshel Yisrael. Okay? But, you know, you hear that this is not, this is not wonderful. Um, but people do it, and for sure as a backup, in, in food service, they'll have a yid lighting the pilots. So that in case something went wrong, there's a backup that was officially strong. And I mention this because many hashkachas allow in their food service establishments that there should not be a mashkiach tmiti, not be a firm presence in the store at all the times. And, and as consumers, you have the choice, if you want to be more careful, that before you walk in, you say, is there a firm person here cooking all the time? I will choose to eat only in the place. I'm more conscientious. I'll only eat in the place with a firm person all the time. And you've done yourself a big, made a big step towards eating food that's better because from, from a visual you saw, you easily see that other has other advantages to it also. So even if you go to a city and the food, there's not much you have to eat all the time, excuse me, if there are five restaurants, you may have to limit yourself to the one that has special use role, but you're, as a conscientious consumer, you are doing yourself a favor, and in the long run, you're doing everybody a favor. Because by, by favoring the place and saying, I'm coming to you because you have the mashkiyah to me, means the guy down the block will think twice that next time maybe he should have mashkiyah to me. Okay, I'm, I'm going to, for a second, talk to you about factories. In factories, there's, there's no mashkiyah to me. It almost never happens that there's a firm presence all the time. The, the bishop soil is usually created when they need to be done in very different ways through the boiler. Mm-hmm. There are many, many shadows. It's not for a oil like this who's never going to be there. But you should know that it's quite complicated to make food bishop soil. This shadow is in din, whether it works, and the shadow is in practice of how to actually carry it out that the factory should be bishop soil. It's quite complicated. Can I, if I, okay, I'm going to, we're out of time. I was going to talk another topic. I, you know, I'll do one more thing. I, I'm not talking pasta so My last topic was supposed to be pasta so I didn't get there. In, in a factory, let me just say this. 
in, in a factory. It was mentioned. I'll, I'll expand for a second on it. It was mentioned um, that Hashlachas Kisem is enough to make food officially strong. And there's different um, ideas for, uh, were made for how to make Hashlachas Kisem Lamaisa in these days. And we'll break them into two different types. There was a glow plug, as was someone mentioned, and a light bulb. So let's talk about those two in those ways. And I'll just, I'm going to talk about this for a second. There's two possible reasons why. Let me, let me, let me, let me start the other way. Hashlachas Kisim is, if the yid does anything to show that a yid has to be present at the cooking, that makes it officially strong. So, the smart is, if I put a little heat, I put a little, you know, uh, incandescent bulb, an incandescent bulb gives off a little heat, a glow plug gives off even more heat, gives off, it's very hot, I'm giving a little heat into the fire, so the yid has made a hacker that you can only cook here if I do my participation. So, on the surface it seems to be that it should work. There are two possible problems with that, with, with these ideas. One is, maybe what you did is not, somehow it's not enough of a hacker. For example, if I put a light bulb, I put a glow plug, but the cooking is being done by a big uh, bank of flames, so is my thing really part of the cooking? Am I, have I thrown my keysafe into the fire? Or is my thing just cooking? And like Rabbi Kuhl mentioned, someone turned the heat on in the house. You know, what do I have to do with the cooking? You just put a little thing on the side. It's one potential issue is that it's not part of the cooking. It's not even enough for a kisi. The second shiloh is that it's a shiloh whether, think about what happens over here. I turn on the glow plug. And then the guy comes an hour later, or a year later, and turns on his fires. So can I make hashlochas kisim? Can I make a hecker in a fire when the fire doesn't exist? Okay, the fire, I made my hecker before the fire. The, the din of hashlochas kisim is, is a guy made a fire, and we say, no, 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 no cooking here, till I come and throw something into there. So I made a, he had a fire, and I made a hecker, you can't cook without a yid participating. But over here, I put a keysane down, and I said, okay, build your fire on top of my keysane. So maybe, that's a, that's a machlipis, whether that thing is considered that I, I, can I make the hecker before the fire runs? So there's three camps in this thing. The hashkochas take three different stands. Some say they're all okay. You don't have to be part of it. It doesn't have to be a hecker. You can make it before, and that's fine. And some go the opposite extreme and say, since the hecker is there before the, the, before the fire, that's, that doesn't work. And then there's the middle, which says, if the hacker is significant, and I believe that the COR does this, if the hacker is significant, meaning the glow plug has, gives a good amount of heat, it's part, it's built together with the rest of the cooking, it does participate potentially in the cooking, that's considered a good enough hacker, and ignores the second child of maybe that the hacker is there from before the fire comes on. Okay, that's a middle ground, while rejecting something like a light bulb, because that's not doing nothing, it's, it's, it's not even enough, it's not enough to be a hacker. Okay, let me just wrap up. We, as I'll, I'll repeat what I said at the beginning. In, in learning the halachas of Bishalakim, you went, many of you who went through the sukkahs, or just in general, you heard even from Rabbi Kula, who gave an overview of many of the halachas, we, I was trying to help you get a better feel for the lamaisa of that food, and try to, of that, the most dinim, so that when you think back to what goes into making the food, Rabbi Levin was talk, answered, uh, I don't know, 50 questions for people about what goes into making the foods, many of the, the things that go into making the food are practical, um, are, are administrative. 
the Mashkiach walks in, checks your ingredients, and checks these kind of labels, and there's lots of there are administrative things that go in, but done properly, Hashkocha involves more, more things than just the administrative part of it, and much of the halacha and the thinking about a food goes into preparing food properly. Um, thank you for listening.